It was the year of fire. The year of destruction. The year we took back what was ours. It was the year of rebirth. The year of great sadness. The year of pain. And the year of joy. It was a new age. It was the end of history. It was the year everything changed. The year is 2261. The show, the name of the pod. Episode 84, The Face of the Enemy, in which Garibaldi hands Sheridan over to EarthGov and Bester's long game is revealed. Coming to you before the cock crows three times, this is The Name of the Pod, your Babylon 5 podcast, where we explore the ongoing cultural legacy of the 1990s television show Babylon 5. I am one of your hosts, Chris Tatro, and my inevitable betrayer and co-host and good friend is... Be seeing you, John Cassie. Nice entry, Chris. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ramping up my skills. This is something I said I wanted to work on a few weeks ago, and so I'm actually writing things down ahead of time. Look at you. I know. You're it's adorable. like I'm actually putting an effort into this show. I know. I mean, 85 I episodes in, you're finally carrying your, your, your I, side of the equation. I'm, I've hit my stride just in time to, to wrap up soon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, speaking of wrapping up soon, this oh, episode, yes. uh, pretty great, I think. Uh-huh. A couple of problems, but pretty yep. great. Uh, yep. Gives all the impression of a show that believes it's going to end five episodes from now. <laughs> like, be done. Series, yeah. series finale, not season finale, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, and, and we talked a little bit before we started recording, that I, the, the problems that we had with this episode, I think, are are spurred by that. The, uh, I don't have time to do this yeah. you know, the elegant way. I'm just going to get this done. Right. right. And, you know, I, I can't, I can't stretch, I can't stretch the explanation of this side disease plot out over three or four episodes, kind of trickle things out. I'm just going to, I'm going to exposition bomb the heck out of you. Here. Right. And, right. and just move. Um, Cause really end of the day, it's not that important. If the show ends in four seasons, Mm -hmm. it's an interesting piece of flavor, right? It's the, uh, you know, it's the, uh, it's the raisins or the walnuts in the stuffing. Yeah. It's not the stuffing, right? Exactly. Um, Right. The stuffing is, is the, the bester, you know, reveal. Right. Of what he'd been doing to Garibaldi, you know, the, whatever the plot was that Garibaldi managed to bumble into. Correct. And and he's now served his purpose. Okay, great. It doesn't matter. It's just a MacGuffin. You know, whatever. Doesn't matter. Right, right. Yeah. It it yeah. no longer it's no longer germane to the work mm-hmm. I'm trying to do to finish this thing, right? Yeah. And the nice thing about leaving it in this kind of semi inchoate form is it's gonna be there to hook the narrative of season five Mm -hmm. into season four and the Mm -hmm. rest of the show so that the whole of the five seasons will hold together narratively in a way that Crusade kind of can't. Right. Right. Um, So he's got enough material from this to provide a narrative hook into the next, you know, into the next season. 
Right. But it's not necessary. But it's not necessary. If in case there is no season five. Correct. Correct. What's necessary is wrapping up the Garibaldi story. Right. And 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 getting Sheridan to Mars. Right. Both of those things have to happen. Both of them do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, The uh, the inevitable betrayal of Sheridan. Mm. Nice bit with the dialogue there. The thirty the thirty bits of silver. Yep. Right. Um, Garibaldi, even in his controlled personality, knowing that what he's doing is probably is yeah. probably not defensible. But but remember, he, he's he's not being controlled. It's it's. I think last week I had said it's yeah. like he's a Westworld robot, and they've just sort of taken his paranoia and his anti-establishment feelings and and turned them up as high as it'll go. You know, I, I don't think okay. that I don't think it's any kind of um, of overwriting or conditioning of his personality mm. to 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 make him do things that mo- maybe morally that he otherwise wouldn't. Uh, other than this sort of, you know, being driven by the heightened paranoia. So you don't think so, there are any uh, programming instructions in there that are meant to that are meant to override certain aspects of his personality? Or I yeah, no, I I think I mean, well, Bester says there weren't. But, right, right. But I mean, Bester. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, my take is that it just it just accentuated those aspects of his uh, of his psychology. Yes. That they knew would be more manipulable um, and would be would kind of make him, you know, would would rattle him loose from the Sheridan orbit. Right. Uh, and. Sure, in the, in I mean they couldn't have they couldn't have planted something that says oh and when you, other than okay no I'll take it back they they did plant in something that said when you've learned something of significance you know pull out the tooth the tooth and, the tooth and, Huey the tooth and signal us you know so so maybe there was some element of some drive to find out you know at at any expense, you know, find out what's going, you know, something of use to us. But they didn't know about the Edgar's plot. They didn't know about the side disease. Right. They I mean, knew Bester's that something com- was probably going on. Right. But certainly not. They, they didn't, they didn't aim Garibaldi at Edgar's. Correct. Yeah. I he can just accept kind that. Of, he, he wandered into it. So, so there couldn't have been anything that said, that said, you know, get this guy to tell you what he knows um heightening the paranoia maybe it's maybe just putting in a don't trust sheridan or sell out sheridan at, at any opportunity right um right but no i i i took it more as as a heightening of of his existing personality traits and it's one of the reasons that i don't give garibaldi as clean a pass as i might otherwise do once he snaps out of it um you know Ivanova certainly doesn't seem to be willing to give him a pass. You know, she doesn't know the story yet, but uh, I don't think it matters much to her. That was one of my favorite lines in this whole show. Aha. Uh-huh. Her 
absolute, uh, uh, you know, black and white decision. Mm-hmm. She's in. She is the one in charge. This is my decision. Yeah. You will carry out my instructions, even when she gets pushed back on. Right. You, well, I mean, we all know you push back on Susan Ivanova, you're going to get pushed back on yourself, son. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think even Sheridan would have given the order, you know, if he shows up, shoot him. No. You know, no. I I think it's it's personal. Personal yep. betrayal yep. really resonates with, with Ivanova. And oh, it's, that's yeah, it's the worst. she just cannot tolerate. Yep. Yep. It is... Yeah, it, it's the bridge too far. Yeah. And if you do that to her, you're done. Mm-hmm. Right. She's so incapable of relationships based on trust. It's so hard for her. Right. That anything that even yeah. resembles that that then gets betrayed. Well, mm-hmm. no, she's going to fight fiercely into the death. Right. Exactly so. Like, like anything, anything short of that would have felt maybe like a like a a miswritten dot piece of dialogue, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, no, you I know, don't think you. Yeah, go. I think of of everybody. You know, I think she's she would be the one who would be most vengeful. Yeah, yeah. She certainly has that in her. Mm-hmm. No, that capacity. Yeah. The willingness to go there and stay there, you know, in that place mm-hmm. of rage. Yeah. 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 That's totally within her. We haven't seen a lot of it in the last couple of seasons, but boy, we saw a lot of it in season one. Yeah. Right. Um, back to the point about Garibaldi and his personality, right? Yes. Um, you know, one of the things that we've said all along is that in our judgment, the the alien content is written a little better, mm-hmm. acted a little better, has a little bit more narrative integrity through line than the human content, but that we're especially fond of Michael Garibaldi and especially fond of him because we like Jerry Doyle and his sort mm-hmm. of blue collar, a kind of accessible, you know, kind of approach. Yes. And all of these traits that you're saying, Bester and company kind of manipulated, accentuated or whatever, they're there from gathering. Absolutely. Right. And the fact that they're there the whole time, right from the start, and that we see a lot of it in his initial reaction to Sheridan in season two. Right. Is, uh, I think, is, is the proof of the pudding, as it were, that your perspective is right. Um, you know, it it continues to pain me that you've been right so many times in season four. But oh, I, I believe I, me, it, it's it won't happen again. I'm using up all my all my uh, my credentials, all my mojo. currency in this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Jerry Doyle is skilled enough so that when he's being manipulated. You sort of believe him. Back to my point, I don't know that he's under manipulation. Mm-hmm. You know, in the hands of yeah. a lesser actor, 
all of the tells that he's being manipulated are going to be there, but they're not there. Right, right. We wouldn't have had the past few weeks of of questioning whether there was any actual, you know, brain rearrangement That's or right. any kind of control or manipulation. Right. Um, you know, if if it if it weren't done so subtly, which, as I've said before, usually isn't JMS's thing, but in this case, I think it was. I think it was brought across exactly right. Right. This may be a case where it wasn't written particularly subtly, but Jerry Doyle, by virtue of his strengths as an actor, makes it read in this way. Also true. Yeah. yeah. Not sure. Yeah. Again, you know, not sure. Um, mm. So we've got Garibaldi, his final act of betrayal. And, yeah. you know, the, the, the delivery of, uh, of, of Sheridan, uh, you know, uh, how did uh, uh, Sheridan was alive but taken by the enemy? Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Although Frodo, even even in the the elaborate and stretched out films, you know, Frodo's uh, you know getting wrapped up by Shelob and and all that didn't didn't feel as as drawn out and painful as it did here. Yeah. Um, this was, you know, I think this was a directing directing choice. I don't know how much JMS himself had that scene written out, but the, you know, the the kind of slow motion, blurry, right, you know, stagger speed of the film. It just, it, I mean, it was brutal. The yep. the the stomping that Sheridan's taking yep. is, is is pretty brutal. Yeah, uh, hard to watch, and but I the. The, the the filming effect of it as the as the trank like kicked in in his system, uh, it, it felt. I don't know. It felt a little um, dated. Yeah, yeah. I think it probably landed in 1997, but now it feels a little, a little stagey. Right. Right. You know, it feels a bit like. A, uh, you know, like a like a nineteen eighties music video. Sure. Um, you yeah. Know, a, a a little bit of maybe um, trying too hard to be arty. Right. And right. Uh, you know, artsiness is is fine. And I thought it was fine, but I suspect it would not have been written that way now that right. there would have been other ways to try to convey the same uh you know the same kind of mental effect mm-hmm. you know um so it i i sort of put it of its time right yeah doesn't quite land in 2019 i, I mean we've seen plenty of those kinds of directing decisions in the other genre programs that we've regularly mentioned here Right, mm-hmm. you see it over on the Paramount lot. You see this kind of thing in X Files. Yeah, uh, you know, you see it in in a lot of the programs of the same the same era. You know, mm-hmm. Earth Two, and you know, even a little bit of that in Space Above and Beyond sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, given how much I we mean, love that show, yeah, yeah, it, we're talking about 
stuff that was you know twenty plus years ago and and techniques and right. uh, techniques of direction of storytelling have changed just as audience uh, expectations have have changed right. over the over that time. Right. So you know the fact that that we have these little scenes that are like mm, that definitely feels like a dated presentation of this. Right. That those those elements are so few and far between definitely speaks to the the level that the show is operating at. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That that we will sometimes point these things out, but not so often. Mm-hmm. And you, you and I have done enough rewatches of of older programs to have our eyebrows raised by other program decisions far more than this one. Oh, definitely. Right. Um, mindful that this is not a perfect program, but then what is? Right. I have yet to find one. Right. It is, it is a great example of what the 1990s was trying to do and largely succeeded in doing in transforming genre and... You see it in all of the programs that we have regularly mentioned here that we think are part of that cultural legacy. Mm-hmm. Babylon 5's commitment to a multi-season narrative that ultimately was just uh, you know a, a five-season novel. Mm-hmm. Um, Space Above and Beyond was essentially a novella in a single season. Mm-hmm. Right, everything tied together quite nicely. Yeah. Um, even even the end, as brutal as it was, was a kind of resolution. Oh, absolutely! Right? Um, yeah. You know uh, the 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 advantage of the storytelling that we get in DS Nine over TNG and Voyager. Uh, X Files was all about its mythology. Mm-hmm. Now, I've come to really appreciate the Monster of the Week programs, having done uh-huh. a rewatch of the first five seasons of, of X-Files. I think, in many respects, I like some of those Monster of the Week stories better. Right? I, I agree with that. You know, some, some of the story arc, the mythology stories, are, are, are classic, but some of the Monster of the Week ones, because they're not burdened by the ham-handedness of right. the mythology... Right. Uh, you know, Chris Carter, much like the Cylons, had no plan. Right. Uh, and it kind of shows and it stumbles through the mythology in, in, in unsatisfying ways. But, you know, Clyde Buckman's final repose right. doesn't have to deal with any of that. Right. You know, Jose Chung's From Outer Space. Right. It's, it's a better episode for not having to not having to acknowledge any of of that other stuff it right. can just it can just exist on its own and treat the alien conspiracy in its own light right right home doesn't, have to, doesn't yeah. need to connect right right and the fact that it doesn't means that they can play around with some storytelling mm-hmm. that's really uh well, it's like the other episodes that you cited, right? It, yeah. it becomes extraordinary by virtue of standing on its own. Right. Right. Uh, which, yeah. of course, JMS doesn't really give Babylon 5 the chance to do, right? It's not the intent. It's, you know, it's like we've said, you know, the, the, the future of Babylon 5 is not the future of, of Star Trek. It's not, that's not the world that, 
that's not the story that's being told. That's right. That's right. It's not the framework. You know, you, you, we've sure we've had our one-off episodes, you know, here and there, you know, more in the first couple seasons as it, we're kind of establishing the, right. the foundations of the show. But, but when you're really telling, when, when you've had so much building up to the, the five-year novel, when you're in this deep, you know, you can't take a, you can't take a chapter of that novel and go and tell some little side story that's that's completely irrelevant and and breaks the pacing. Right, right, yeah. There's no time uh, for it. That's right. I mean, one of the things that uh, that I'll raise with the uh, with the name of the pod community on the Facebook group uh, when we get to posting this episode is inquiries with them about whether they watched the final season of Game of Thrones <laughs> and whether the decisions made to bring that show to a conclusion felt narratively authentic and okay because in my perspective there were a number of choices made that were just fine and others that i said they're only doing this because they want to finish this thing this doesn't make a lot of narrative sense that last season of Game of Thrones was senioritis exemplified. Yeah, didn't it feel they, that way? You know, they were they they had their acceptance letter to the Star Wars universe. Right. You know, they, they've been <laughs> right, they've right. been they've been tagged. I, I haven't heard this officially, but word is they've been tagged to do a trilogy of Star Wars films. Yes, and they're like, all right, our brains are already engaged, and you know, and this happens. This happens to me. I know this happens to you as well. Sure. You know, you've been. I've been working on this project for nine years. I've been working on this thing, and oh, but now my brain is already on to the next thing. So right. I'm only giving about thirty percent right. to finishing up. You know, I, I should be putting more attention into finishes. I don't care about it anymore. I'm not invested in it anymore. Right. Um, you know, they they kind of hate dragged the show over the finish line, as it were. There is a little bit of that, isn't there? there there's a lot of right, that. Right, right. And certainly yeah. anyone listening to this program who has been involved in a longer-term creative project understands what you're talking about, Chris. Yeah. Right. I, I went back a year after it was published and looked at the manuscript for my book on game-based learning. And a year away, I could look at it and say, oh, yeah, actually, this is not too bad, right? Mm-hmm. This stuff I kind of like and this stuff I kind of like. And, oh, I wish this book that was just published had been published when I was researching the book because that book that I just read would have been a really nice thing to include. But the book didn't exist, mm-hmm. right? right? You know, the old, the old saw, stop reading, if you'd uh-huh. like to get that doctorate, stop reading. Yeah. Start writing, right? And I think a lot of that hate dragging, there's none mm-hmm. of that here. Definitely in, in, not. In B5, not a, not a minute of it. No. Right? It is totally no. a work of love from yeah. gathering until, well, the, the, the end that's a false start at the end of season four, mm-hmm. and then the end... That is the end, yeah. You know, at the end of season five, yeah. Um, I, JMS wouldn't have gone on to, to do you know some of the more t- the TV movies, Crusade, right? You know, there wouldn't he wouldn't have continued on in the universe if he was 
done with it and had his eyes set on you know it's it's the meme of the guy turning and looking at the you know the woman yeah. in the red dress or his girlfriend <laughs> right, kind of right. like oh yeah. you know uh that that's uh yeah I'm, I'm referencing memes that are like six months old that'll show how old i am yeah right right um, you know uh, but but yeah it, it, there's there's none of that because if he was if he was done if he was tired and burnt out on the babylon 5 universe why start running a whole other show after this five-year cycle is done right right yeah we we, no. we would we would feel it yeah but instead you know what i feel is just a kind of an ongoing love for the show absolutely and its characters right um yeah yeah you know one of the things that we talked about in the pre-show chris was our uh choice to tell rather than show bester garibaldi yeah. in the subway car right yeah yeah. And your perspective was, this is sort of JMS doing that thing he likes to do. Little too chatty, little too talky. Right. 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 And yeah, yeah t- I t- think, talk to us about that. Yeah, I I didn't like the way that it was presented. Um, where... Yeah, and in fact, I, I I think it was a number of takes that was sliced together because Bester essentially says the same thing a couple of times. Okay, in that in the course of that conversation where he says, you know, I could kill you, but or I could do the merc, you know, the, the merciful thing would be to kill you, and he kind of goes back and forth. He says that a couple of times, so it feels like they kind of stitched together a couple of a uh-huh. couple of of takes or a couple of drafts there. Uh huh. Um, but but really, it was it was him kind of laying out and. And maybe it was because he was the only one speaking, since Garibaldi was in his, you know, trance. Right. Uh, that, but it 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 felt, it felt burdened and a little clumsy, uh, the way that it was being laid out. And I would have much rather, I, I would have much rather seen just, you know, they 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 showed the flashbacks of Garibaldi being taken into the shadow ship, and then they showed, uh, they showed him in the on a stretcher in a, in a hallway and, and uh, Bester talking to Harlan Ellison playing a psychop uh, who was, you know, what are we going to do with him? Are we going to do a complete mind wipe? No, we'll just do this and that. And then a couple of other sort of bits and scenes. And I think if we had just gotten those with, with about maybe 50 cent, maybe 40% of the dialogue, mm-hmm. I think that would have, that would have conveyed the message that would have told me, everything that I needed to know about what was going on to Garibaldi in that scene. And it didn't have to be, it didn't have to be laid out and as, as explicitly, but, but then again, Bester has always been written as a character who loves to hear his own voice. Uh, Yes, he sure does. Doesn't he? So it makes sense in universe. It makes sense. Right. That Bester would totally monologue given that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But but as a viewer, I found I was like, okay, let's just you know, I I've got it. Let's just let's just move this along. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, w- when we were talking about this in the pre-show, I was thinking about other kind of reveals of a similar type. Mm-hmm. Um, and it brought to mind the uh, the revival of Twin Peaks. To me, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, audience, friends, I'm not sure you know who amongst you has watched it. Um, you know, Chris and I were both, uh, y- you know, 
backhouse bookhouse bookhouse boys bookhouse boys yep. of the you know of of the oldest school you know one of our mm-hmm. first i think in fact probably our first rewatch as a as a as a pair of friends yeah. was twin yes. peaks yeah right, yeah we in had, the mid 90s together with yeah, we would get together with a bunch of people, and we started what it was our Fantod Film. That's right. Uh, yeah, club we yeah. called it. Yes, yeah. and, and we would uh, we would watch sort of disturbing little, you know, films or or psychologically unsettling stuff. And you know, after we finished watching Twin Peaks, we went on to see a, a bunch of different movies of that nature. Yeah, um, uh, and I think about well, what wh- what's the what's the polar opposite of what we get here with Bester? And that's going to be all of the revived program trying to figure, trying to give us what's going on with agent Cooper Mm -hmm. or agent Cooper's as the case may be. Right. Yeah. And in the case of JMS, maybe it's telegraphed a little too much for our tastes Mm-hmm. Right, because we watch a lot of more art house kind of stuff, right? Yeah, right. And I think about how very difficult that revival of Twin Peaks was. Oh, it was incomprehensible in places. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I've read a number of you know, I've tried to read some internet forums on it to to kind of get my head around what was going on in certain places that, right. you know, that, that episode or the, the piece that was in black and white with the, you know, the, the, the two teenagers and there was bug crawling into her and this is the water, this is the well, yeah. you know, all that stuff. And yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. What does that all mean? I don't know. Right. So that's definitely an example of too little telling. Right. <laughs> Uh, you know, <laughs> a whole lot of showing. Okay, I've yeah. sure seen a lot here. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, 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 uh, uh, I was thinking of the of of the the opposite. Uh, you yeah. know, you know, when you were saying, hey, it's a little too, yeah. it's a little too chatty. It's like, well, yeah. you know, we we have we have spent an hour of our lives discussing that. What was it? Episode eight of the Twin Peaks revival, the one in, you know, the oh. the, the atomic blast and all this kind of yes. You know, that essentially had no dialogue. It was a, uh, it was like a, 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 a tone poem. I don't even know what it was. It was like Koyaanisqatsi or something. No right? idea. Yeah, I have nothing. Right. Yeah. Um, a show rarely makes me feel as stupid as that show did. Truth. Truth. I'm just not getting this. I, I feel like I'm fairly media savvy, but you know, and I, and I know Twin Peaks and. I think, I I think that was about the episode where I came to the conclusion that David Lynch was just trolling everybody, <laughs> like just hardcore trolling. He was like, "Okay, they want this show back. I'll give them this show." That's right. You want a show? Oh, they're, they're not. They won't ask me for any more show after this. <laughs> I'll be left. I'll be left in peace. Finally. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll give you everything you want. Oh, God bless. Yeah. Um, so. Having said that, mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. now looking across the spectrum of Bester performances, it's very clear to me that my memory of Bester is colored by this late Bester. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, look, even though it is a little too chatty, Walter Koenig is quite good at this sort of thing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he was, it's a little mustache twirly, but still... I found 
I thought it landed. Yeah, I, you know, I I wonder what we thought of it at the time. I wish I could right. remember more than you know about the past sixty seconds. Yeah, as no I kidding. Right. To devolve into a goldfish. Uh, I wonder if it if if it bothered me or if that was just the the milieu of the nineties. You know, we talked about that that the fight scene. Okay, maybe that was just how you showed things, and then it was experimental. It was trying to do things. Tastes and styles have changed. Well. You know, the writers now, I feel, you know, okay, we'll set David Lynch into a separate category. But I, but I, even that said, I do feel that, that television production trusts viewers more and can, can expect them to get more. Right. Than, than back in, certainly, you know, somebody making a genre show in the, in the, the 80s or 90s. You know, it was like, right. oh, you got to spell this out for everybody because, you know, people watching these shows are pretty dim. Right, uh, right. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was just the way that, that stories were told. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think if we look back at Twin Peaks right now, for instance, it would feel fairly conventional. Fairly simplistic in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, creepy as all get out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that doesn't change. It's still yeah. creepy as hell. Mm-hmm. But narratively, we've been taught by all the television that we've watched since then, because right? that mm-hmm. show's 30 years old now. Right. Right. Uh, we've, we've been taught how to watch that kind of program, so in order to keep doing it, he's got to do the revival, which, mm-hmm. you know, God bless, <laughs> what is going on, right? I may uh, have to go back and rewatch that. Well, well, you're on your own, kid. Yeah, I guess yeah, I am. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm going to need another 10 years of yeah. like becoming, I'm already old, but clearly I don't know anything because I couldn't process that program. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're well launched to, to an ending. Yeah. And right? I think you're rushing headlong toward it and, and the question heavily remains, you know, Will there be a season five? That's right. That's right. And 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 I think a lot of the decisions we saw in this to to exposition dump, in the case of Edgar's and in the case of of Bester, I think are are explicitly done because he doesn't have time to play them out more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and good on him that they hold yeah. together. Yep. Right, because oftentimes when we get this kind of thing, mm-hmm. it doesn't hold. Yeah. But in this case, it did. Um, at least in my perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, viewer note, not viewer note, listener note, viewer note. Listener note. Listener note, yeah. <laughs> Clearly, I'm having some kind of a... I'll edit that out. Yeah, cheers. Uh, like we did with the resolution of the, of the um, Mimbari Civil War, and we talked a little bit about this on our last episode, we're going to meld the next two episodes together in our conversation as one because they mm-hmm. really function as one narrative okay. they do work better together you know like we said we'd be bouncing back and forth over two weeks saying oh well and this you know we're going to see more about this next week or right. oh, as we saw last week it's it's better to just handle them yeah all. we're going to handle them together and then we're going to do uh we're going to do the next two as standalone and then we're going to put a question to the community about what we do with deconstruction of falling stars. 
Yeah, we've been chewing on this and going back and forth. A yeah. Bit this, yeah. As we've been recording this season. And even last week we said, oh, we'll do de- deconstruction. But now we're not sure. Do we want to hold that until at the end of season five? Yeah. Or do we want to drop it in here? Yeah. So um, go onto the Facebook page because we'll have a question up if you've, if you've listened to the episode but haven't, uh, haven't made your haven't seen the thing on Facebook yet, then, then go on and let us know there. Or if you are one of these people showing great wisdom day by day by not having a Facebook account, uh, you can shoot us an email right. at the name of the pod at gmail.com. Right. And we actually check it, unlike our first couple of years. Of yeah, right, right. We actually do read it. Um, so, yeah, let us know what you think about uh, where does where does deconstruction land in a, in a proper telling of the Babylon Five story. Yeah, yeah, we're we've sort of talked ourselves into a level of uncertainty here. Yeah, and so I'm looking forward to hearing uh, some perspective of the community. Uh, I mean, we're going to talk about it. The question oh, yeah. is, are we going to talk about it in four episodes, or are we going to talk about it in 25 episodes? Right. Yeah. Um, as we say pretty much every year, you know, John and I are going to be at the Origins Game Fair in uh, in Columbus, Ohio, at the time that this drops. Yes. So if you're around there, uh, look for us, swing by and say hi. Yeah. You know, shoot us a shoot us a message. You know, love to meet up with with people. Totally. Um, and uh, you know, I probably don't have to tell folks that are listening to a Babylon Five podcast, but the uh, uh, J. Michael Straczynski's autobiography is is up for pre order right now. Right. Becoming Superman, and uh, we're gonna we've pre ordered it, and we'll be reading that over, and maybe dropping a special episode over the summer once we've uh, once we've had a chance to to tear through that and uh, and share our thoughts on it. Yep, count on it. So, we're definitely so gonna of, read it when it comes out. Yeah, and uh, you know we do a book group. Uh, you know, just for giggles, and I'm sure when we get that book done, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it at Absolutely. length. So yeah, uh, so we get a lots of, lots of good stuff coming down the line. Yeah, brilliant. All okay. right, thanks, Chris. Until next time. Cheers. Be seeing you. Be seeing you. <laughs>